Hey everyone, this is Perry. Just want to thank you all for listening to this episode. And if you like the show, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at The Off Topic Pod, on Twitter at Perry's Rant, and for the video of some of the interviews, you can click on the link below for my YouTube page. If you'd like to support the show, you can click the link in the description below for our Patreon, or you can leave a review and give the show five stars. Both help out greatly. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So I'm here on Off Topic with Joel Gibbs, who is a voice artist. You have a website, Voices by Joel. I've actually been to it a few times. I was just telling you before the show <laughs> that I've listened to your celebrity uh, Voices medley a few times, and it's 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 a lot of fun. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for the nice words. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, Thank no you, problem. Perry. Thank you. Now, uh, how did you get started in voice acting? What was what was kind of your your start, and then where did you get into voice acting? Well, you know, I, I've taken an entire life of avocations and turned it into one big vocation from so many different directions. But the seed of, of the voices definitely comes from when I was a little boy, uh, four or five years old <laughs> or so. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm looking at you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I'm a couple years older than you. <laughs> Let's just call me baby boomer. Okay. Let's just go with that and, <laughs> and we'll be safe. Uh, that being, that being the case, um, when I was four or five years old, there was, uh, the most famous ventriloquist on television was a guy named Paul Winchell. Okay. Uh, you, you, and, and, and perhaps a lot of people your age may not know that name, but aside from the fact that he was a outrageously phenomenal ventriloquist and the most famous one for baby boomers when they were little um <laughs> he went on uh to a huge career as a voiceover artist himself mm. uh doing the original voice of tigger uh, okay in, in all of the winnie the pooh things that yeah, you probably yeah. watched when right. you were little <laughs> and all sorts of hanna-barbera cartoons dick dastardly and and gargamel oh, yeah. gargamel he was the yeah, voice yeah, of, yeah. in the smurfs anyway um for some reason that I, I cannot recall, at that very young age, I was drawn to him. Mm. Uh, I was like like a Star Wars tractor beam. It just, yeah. <laughs> just he just sort of sucked me right into the screen. Yeah, and uh, I I found myself constantly in front of the mirror, uh, mm. trying to practice my alphabet. And so there I was, you know, A B C D E F G H I J K L N L P and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my, my parents would be behind me and kind of looking and wondering <laughs> what's, what's wrong with this boy? <laughs> what is wrong? And by the time I was five or six years old, I was fairly well accomplished ventriloquist. But the point is that I had so many dummies and puppets and marionettes mm. and what have you. So I would assign a different personality or voice or what have you to all of them. And they were all pretty distinct they may not have been top tier but <laughs> you know that that was really the beginning of me developing this uh, i don't know where it came from ability to do all these sorts of celebrity and cartoon and character and dialect mm -hmm. voices so yeah that's 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 the seed of it all nice now did you were you noticing like at a young age that you were using now was it a young age that you started doing the ventriloquist uh Vent I can't even say it right now. Um, <laughs> ventriloquism as like, uh, like, were you very young doing that? Well, yeah, I, like I said, I was five or six okay, when I was I doing okay. it. Uh, of course, you know, you grad, you, you start to use it in right. different ways. By the time I was in junior high school, okay, yep. um, everybody and their grandmother knew that, you know, Joel was a ventriloquist. <laughs> yeah. However, when you, when you're 13 or 14, you go, Hmm what can I do that's a little mischievous perhaps <laughs> with this? So, you know, in the winter when we couldn't, you know, we were here in Philadelphia in the winter yeah. when we couldn't go out, you know, into the yard and play and hang out, mm -hmm. they put us into the auditorium for the, like the last 20 minutes of the lunch period. Gotcha. Okay. And, you know, and seating us every other seat, there was no pandemic. That was just the way they did right. it uh, to keep us from goofing off, you know, right, right, with right. each other. <laughs> and I, you know, had these old ancient, teachers were paroling up and down the aisle to make sure we were quiet and mm -hmm. doing our homework and not talking and i 
I just felt compelled <laughs> uh, as I was sitting there, you know, reading a book and going, you are a real fat jerk. <laughs> now, now the teacher was like, right. all right, who said that? Yeah. Now, a hundred other guys are going, it's <laughs> Gibbs. Right. Okay. So, you know, that became a little mischievous. And then, you know, you start putting on, um, you know, start putting on shows with the dummy and all that in, in right. junior high and high school. And, and I became this uh, quasi celebrity. <laughs> everything is, everything is relative. Right. Course. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, all my life, everybody has, has known me for that. And, you know, a few other goofy things that I'm into. So, yeah, that's in, uh, it's such like an interesting um because not there it's such a finite niche skill to be a ventriloquist and you you like i don't know anybody like I've i don't know I, I, yeah out, outside of my universe <laughs> right I, mean, right. I, I i don't know anybody else that's yeah. <laughs> ventriloquist other than you know people on tv so right. yeah that's that's a narrow kind of thing for you to know somebody right that, that does that I, I i suppose you're right about that and uh i'm not sure that the <laughs> thousands of people that have come my way whether any of them have ever known another ventriloquist yeah because especially like because it's 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 so much different than even doing uh like impressions like it's such a different skill of um like being able to entertain people and uh yeah. a lot yeah. of people because a lot of people can do impressions whether they're good or really bad or really good or somewhere yeah. in between right but ventriloquism it's 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 very obvious when it's good and very obvious when it's bad yes that's and, for sure they're, they're <laughs> the, the um most famous ventri the, the original famous ventriloquist was a guy on radio in the 30s and 40s named edgar bergen he okay, was the, yeah. fa the father actually yeah. of Candace Bergen who played Murphy Brown and all that. Gotcha. And, uh, he made his fortune being a ventriloquist on radio. <laughs> now think about that for a moment. Wow. This yeah. guy is great. Well, I can't see it. Nobody can see his lips. Move. Right, yeah. Uh, his, and, and I will tell you that his material was superb, but mm. the moment everything switched into television, and he got on television and I saw him for the first mm -hmm. time. It was like, my God, he is just awful. <laughs> just terrible. So, uh, so, but, yeah. but the, these days it's sort of a little bit back in vogue through the, mm -hmm. you know, America's, America's got talent, Terry Fader right. and, and a little blonde girl who was yeah. just extraordinary and Jeff Dunham, you know, right. has br yeah. brought it back <laughs> in kind of a big way. So, uh, you know, it's nice to be part of the uh, platoon, I suppose. Yeah. Now, when did you go from being a ventriloquist to moving towards, uh, like, uh, voice acting? When was, well, I, I, you know, almost everybody in, in life, I think, attempts to do some sort of impression or mm -hmm. what have you you know growing up uh the the default impression that any human being could at least try on for size was james cagney because they would yeah. always do that you dirty rat yeah you, dirty, you know and, and, and yeah. or, or 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 cary grant that whole judy 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 right, which, right. Which he never actually said, but nevertheless. <laughs> uh, but I, I, as I was growing up and doing, you know, all the voices for the puppets and the ventriloquism, yeah. I did find that for some reason I had an ear mm -hmm. for picking up um, other voices. And I think one of the first ones that I attempted to do as a kid, mm -hmm. mind you, uh, was Ed Sullivan. Uh, okay. Who, yeah. Uh, you know, had the variety show for 25 years or whatever, the guy who gave us the Beatles. Right. <laughs> and, um, but, but it kind of everybody did that whole, all right, now, right now, you're going to hear these four <laughs> lads from Liverpool. Uh, but, but I was able to actually kind of do it. Right. And, yeah. And then it graduated to another one and another one. Mm. And speaking of the Beatles, I think really the first official, the first official celebrity impression performance i uh, gotta put 
air quotes yeah. <laughs> on that, was uh, punking a young classmate, a girl. Yeah. Um, who we 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 all thought was kind of goofy. It, it was not a nice thing to do, <laughs> but my buddy uh put on a disc jockey kind of voice this is sort of like well early mid 60s okay and he called this girl and he said uh you just won a a, a chat with paul mccartney of <laughs> of the beatles and uh, paul why don't you get on the line now this girl was going out of her mind <laughs> out of her skull and i still got on there and started talking to her i said hello Jenny, this is paul and and it's it's really nice across the pond. Speak a little louder because on you know I'm in Liverpool right now. It's hard <laughs> to hear you. And she just completely went out of her skull. And, yeah, well, um, I can so imagine I think... if, if somebody called me and said the thing, it was you on the other line. I probably would have. Yeah, I, I don't know if I talked. Ex I sounded exactly like this as I right. did today. But of course, but it was apparently convincing enough to make her go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, we brought John on for just a moment to talk to her. Also, you know, John and yeah, we were they were writing a song together, so we brought you know. So I think that was maybe my first official impression yeah, yeah, performance. Yeah. But by the time I became an actual grown-up, which mm -hmm. I prefer not to be at these times, <laughs> uh, it was like I I think I can maybe put this together in a business, and yeah. rather than go officially into showbiz, so mm -hmm. to speak, um, I started a little broadcast ad agency and started to see gotcha. if, if by virtue of the voices and the fact that I was writing the copy mm -hmm. and I had recording equipment, we're in my studio right now, um, mm -hmm. maybe I could do radio commercials for local advertisers. Mm -hmm. And yeah. lo and behold, um, I am still the only guy it's crazy to me. I'm still the only guy in the city of Philadelphia that does specifically what I do. I, I had to figure huh. over all these years, yeah. someone would have to be, compete with me. I mean, there are <laughs> people that do this around the world, right. but, but apparently I'm still the guy here. So, Interesting. you know, uh, and, and, and the list just kept growing and growing based on and totally unexplainable ear. I, I, yeah. I don't know how or why I do what I do. I just, yeah. some, someone has to do the goofy stuff. Better. Right. <laughs> That's my job. What kind of better job is that though? Yeah, you know? it's great. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Now, uh, did you, you said that voices were kind of coming, like you picked up on them easily. Now, did you find that like most voices that you were attempting, like most impressions um, or maybe like your commercial voice or like whatever did you find that most of them came as like came easier to you or yeah. did you find that the more you were learning and the more that you were expanding it became more difficult i you know there were, there was no game plan um okay. i i it was just i would hear something i would pick up on it and you know there there are a lot of horrible things in the world Mm -hmm. One of them is a bad impression, as you, <laughs> as you suggested, and I, I was able to largely be objective mm -hmm. about what I did. First of all, um, you and, and, and most people know that sometimes when they hear your own recorded voice, you go, wait a minute, I sound like that. Right. So, so what, what's coming out of your mouth and out in the air is really mm -hmm. what you hear is not what everybody else does. Right. So because I was doing this largely into a microphone and with headphones, I could hear the true thing of what I was doing. Gotcha. Okay. And all of the voices that I do just came to me. But at the same time, I did, I never rehearsed them. I never sat with a tape recorder and listened to it oh, okay. and tried to emulate. They just came to me. But with that said, <laughs> I can tell you that I've been asked to do all kinds of additional voices that I really can't and could never do and just be honest with myself and say i can't pull that off you know so you know what are some ones that is there one that always keeps coming up you feel like and you just can't do it oh that i can't do it yeah. oh zillions of them one of, the, <laughs> one of the examples one of the examples though that comes to mind is that i have always been able to do a lot of the president's okay <laughs> the voices 
but it all stopped with Clinton. Okay. That's where that's where I hit the wall. <laughs> as, as a matter of fact, um, in, with Clinton through the nineties, I I was inundated. Just it was a tsunami <laughs> of work. Not only because he was president, but then when the scandal with Monica Lewinsky hit, right. I I didn't know what to do with yeah. the work. So so you know, about every five minutes, I was dealing with Bill Clinton and, and everything, and the copy had to do with with the, with the blue dress. But then when when Bush, uh, Jr. right came along, I just couldn't nail his voice. Couldn't get it, and I couldn't get Obama's. Right. Couldn't do Obama, and I couldn't do our former document occupant <laughs> just remain nameless uh and i don't think i'm going to be doing biden either so um yeah. so if you need somebody from about jfk straight through <laughs> straight through clinton I, yeah. i'm i'm your candidate yeah you know now what's one that you uh what's one that you get all the time that you feel like you just get too much well, it, you know, I know I, I don't look at it as as too much, but right, I can okay. I can tell you that for sure uh, over the past 40, 50 years, whatever, <laughs> uh, the one the one voice that I've done in more projects, commercials on hold, um, just every kind of project there is to use a voice for the number yeah. one request has been for the Godfather for Don Corleone. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's uh, as it turns out. I I am a major Godfather freak anyway, and okay, can do yeah. a lot of the other voices in the film. But that's the one that just just keeps coming back over and over and over. That's funny because like it, it, if I feel like you would you would see more people because like the ones that you have listed, you have got like people like Bugs Bunny, like Porky Pig, like you've got the cartoon characters as well yeah. as you've got like Rodney Dangerfield, like right. Dr. Rodney, Phil. Rodney. Yeah. Rodney was very popular for a while right? Uh, in the eighties and nineties. And then, mm -hmm. you know, well, he, pa him. he right. passed away, but that's not an excuse for not doing a voice. I do a lot of dead guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Don Corleone has always been like the number one. Uh, but then, as you say, Rodney and Cheech and Chong and mm -hmm. and and Arnold and 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 the cartoon <laughs> characters, whatever. Yeah. It, it just it just depends on the project, you right? Know, yeah. What somebody's asking me to do, but but and and beyond the celebrity or the the famous person mm -hmm. impressions, then there's the dialects and just right. the characters. You want an old guy? You want a donkey? You want a <laughs> You want an idiot? You you, you want a, yeah, yeah. you know a, a British guy? And on and on and on. It's like okay, I'll, I can likely <laughs> handle that. And uh, so you're talking about dialects, and um, what's your? Do you have like a favorite one that you just like? As soon as somebody asks you, you're like, yeah, all right, let's get in and do this kind of thing. Well, you know, I've probably have done more British dialect work than anything mm -hmm. else, and there are lots of different types right. of either sounds styles di uh, of mm -hmm. you know a moment ago you, you, you're doing impression you're doing paul mccartney but that's actually very liverpool you know right. so there's yeah. there's, there's <laughs> a certain melody to that you know yeah. uh, but but then but, but then you could you could be doing q from the right. bond film Re really 007 please bring the car back in one piece right. <laughs> And and then if you've got the old the old maesters and wizards, you know, you got that. And of course, you've got the very proper butlers. <laughs> and and then you could just be, yeah, you've got Cockney guys who are just you know sort of they running or you know you take a Cockney guy and you put a little rasp in it, and all of a sudden you've got Keith Richards, you know, so, yeah, with a little bourbon, bourbon, yeah. You know. Helps that. among among any others um, yeah. <laughs> yes uh, the fact I, that I, that guy's still living is i i incredible. saw a, I, I saw a meme on on facebook uh, not too long ago that said something it was a picture of of keith richards yeah. real close real <laughs> craggy and 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 the caption was something like for every cigarette you smoke god gives keith richards one more day on <laughs> That's what it feels like. Right, right. <laughs> the guy has outlived so many people that have done far less. <laughs> For sure.
for sure. It's incredible. Yeah, he's got he must have like just organs of steel or something. It's I don't know. He's just yeah. meant, meant, to be, meant to be here. Yeah. That's okay with me. That's yeah, okay. I know. Yeah, exactly. It's just, even for, <laughs> even, for a, even for a Beatlemaniac, love the Stones. Yeah, well, and that's that's one thing I was gonna point out is that you've got some Beatles uh, memorabilia back there. <laughs> you're 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 only seeing about one one thousandth of the um what's the word i'm looking for crapola right. uh that that i have the the um you know it, uh, talking about the godfather and the scene where michael first sees apollonia in in sicily and the mm -hmm. subtitle his bodyguard says wow you got hit by the thunderbolt and I feel that way about a few things in my life. And yeah. the, Be the Beatles for me was a gigantic uh, thunderbolt. I, yeah. I am uh, the self-proclaimed most passionate Beatlemaniac <laughs> that walks the face of the earth. I say self-proclaimed because there might be two or three people that disagree. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they are deeply, deeply in my DNA. Yeah. No, and I, I, I totally agree. It, when I first became a Beatles fan, I was in middle school. Um, and I had heard like Beatles songs before, um, like just growing up, my dad playing them or whatever. Um, but I remember vividly the moment that I was like, I, I was like more mature enough at middle school. I was mature enough at that point to like really listen to a song, you know, like really listen to it. Was there a song or an album that all yes. of a sudden hit you that way? I'd love to hear what that is. It was, I, we were in the car, we were outside of a Hannaford and yeah. And I, it, it's so vivid to me. Yeah. And I remember, Hey Jude, it was just, it was like one of their most popular songs, but I'd never really heard it before, you know, like yeah. I was right. 12 years old. Yep. And um, I just remember sitting there like, wow, this is just really, really cool. And then I like listened to I, I, the lyrics between the lyrics and the chord progression, because at that point I was starting to learn like ah. more complicated music. Okay. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. I wonder if I could play this because it sounds simplistically complicated like the Beatles are. Were you, were you playing the piano or the guitar? Uh, both. I could, I oh. can play both. So, okay. but at that point I started learning, uh, guitar very right. right around that time. I was deciding whether or not I wanted to learn how to play guitar. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I heard that song, I went home and like looked up on like YouTube and stuff, like more songs. And within like two weeks, I had heard probably every single song. Like it was, right. it was immediately like, it just, like you said, it hit like a lightning bolt and it just was, uh, it was love right there. Well, because of that story, I'm going to just stay right here. With you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> good boy, Perry. You have good yeah. taste. You have good oh, taste. thank you. Yeah. And then <laughs> I, it, it's one of those things too, that like, uh, the longer that I listen, the better it gets. And it's, it's the most interesting thing because Anytime somebody like my girlfriend likes the like likes the Beatles too, and mm -hmm. she'll like put on a Beatles song, and I'm like, oh, I haven't heard this in like probably mm -hmm. a year or so, and I'm like, oh, it's just so good. How do, how am I not listening to these like all day, every day, like every second of the day, you know? And uh, it's just, and then you look at the even the, like the statistical numbers, like you want to make it into a science. Like you look at the numbers yeah. and how yeah. incredible like their nine year run was it's unfathom like it's unfathomable to like yes. think about because like i remember getting into arguments when i was a, a little more of an asshole in like middle school and high school a little more hard-headed you know yeah and yeah. uh i didn't like modern music for like pop music i just couldn't i couldn't get into it meaning the music that your other that your peers were listening exactly to. yeah okay. like the yeah like it, it just there was some stuff that i liked and i was like oh this is good but there was just like the pop hits i was like this is the same song. This is the same song. This is the same song. And especially those mid two thousands, like that's what it was. And uh, I just remember arguing with people and somebody was like, but Michael Jackson had like more number one hits. And I was like, yeah, because he did it for 30 years. Yeah. I, <laughs> hey, listen, there, there's a, a, a wealth of fabulous artistry and oh, musicians yeah. out oh, there. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, 
I think I'm starting to become like my father or my grandfather (laughs) or whatever, you know, turn that crap down. (laughs) And and I think now after almost 60 years, uh, I I think we can pretty much say that the fabs are the the number one source for it. They've certainly endured. I I look at them. I look at them like um, Beethoven, Sinatra, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Gershwin, uh, but you know, people mm-hmm. whose music is is just so unique and and will and has endured. You can yeah. you can't argue with with a symphony that's been right. around for two three hundred <laughs> years. That's, right, that's exactly pre- that's pretty good music to hang around for that long. So yeah, um, yeah, I I I think that people for generations to come, as long as we don't blow up this planet. I, I, <laughs> I, I think uh, our boys are are going to stick around. I yeah, think. and just how many people still talk about how much the Beatles have influenced them? It's it's really it, it it it's really unthinkable when I think about it in a in a way like because being a musician, it's really weird to like put myself in their position a little bit. Yeah, and be like, okay, I'm if I'm writing a song, can I imagine like being in that position? to say like to have people for the next 60 70 years of my life say you were the reason i played music or you're the reason that i got into it you're the reason i like like it's such a crazy like the how big they are and how big they still are is just well yeah uh, you know when i when i first heard them that was the big thunderbolt but then when i Mm -hmm. first saw them that was sort of another layer of thunderbolt yeah. and and i i actually saw them um about a month before they were on ed sullivan's show wow there, there was a guy on friday nights on nbc named jack parr uh he was the originator of the tonight show before yeah, johnny okay. carson uh took over and he had a friday night hour kind of interview thing and and in the first week of january you know my, my mother would let me stay up late and watch his show on a friday yeah. night because there was no school and uh i remember watching the tv and he's he's goofing around and saying i, I gotta show you this film clip they would sent to me from you know, <laughs> it's 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 you're gonna laugh and you're gonna whatever and he plays the clip and it was like yeah my head head just blew up i remember running like a maniac down (laughs) two flights of steps to my mother to try to describe what i just saw and not only did i did the thunderbolt hit me but in that moment i looked at those drums and i said i must do that so ringo is my mentor and my teacher everything i love i'm a self-taught drummer so awesome, every, yeah. everything I learned, everything. I, and then it turned out that because I was able to manipulate my voice uh, over the years from that mm-hmm. point on, and even up to recently, uh, I was a lead singer in, in classic rock cover bands. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that, that was just another cool thing that I could do with this nonsense. Yeah. And, you know, so. Yeah. So you're, you're a musician, are you? <laughs> Uh, well, that goes back to that joke. What do you call a guy that hangs out with musicians? Yeah. <laughs> Drummer. So, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that maybe misplaced compliment. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay, I'm a musician if you say yeah. so. so. <laughs> I consider it because I, I, I started on piano when I was younger. Uh, like me and my sisters both got put into it. So that was kind of like where we started. I started playing probably around yeah. like five um because I'm, I'm the youngest so yeah. what they did i kind of got thrown into <laughs> very that's very cool yeah very, and very I, cool. so it's and it was nice because uh like in school i played saxophone right. um so but it never was that important to me until like i i started like really listening to music and it started mm. with the beatles and it's mm. and like you said like a lot of the stuff like the way i was singing like back then when I would sing along with the tunes was very based in like how they sounded. And like, yeah. when I, when I started learning how to drum, it was the same kind of thing. I well, started, that's, you know, the, that's what you're doing. You know, a lot of learning is, is emulating. And, right. and I remember my, my fifth grade report card, mm-hmm. you know, the, the teacher, there was a place for the teacher to write some sort of personal right. note on these report cards. And I, I still have it. One of, these, <laughs> one of these days after all these years, I should, 
frame it or Put something. It on a wall, yeah. But but she she wrote Joel has a wonderful sense of mimicry, <laughs> and I thought, okay, you know, looking back, that's yeah. fairly prescient yeah. <laughs> for her to say that, and um, and then it it, it, wasn't until, it wasn't until a few years ago when I was you know playing with with my uh, my friends uh, in the band and. Um, one of them said you know you you hit every riff on the record and everything and and it occurred to me it's not all i'm doing i'm mimicking again right it's like, yeah it's like doing a celebrity voice with two sticks you know <laughs> i know this is in the i know this is in the record right i know this is in the 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 song so this goes here right so yeah. so that allegedly made me a good drummer <laughs> in in their eyes because right. like it hit the licks you yeah. know and you're, well, you're, if you're in a cover band you're supposed to emulate the song right. the record as best you can with right. the talent that you're surrounded with right that's my feeling anyway yeah yeah and that's 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 what my band does we're a cover band right now uh hopefully we'll make it to original and start okay making our own stuff but Very good. it's uh yeah it's 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 the hard, uh, it's the hard find to make sure that you're, you're giving. Well, uh, well, well, don't call me. I don't want to schlep my drums anywhere. Anyway, so, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm too old for that crap. So well, if yeah. I'm ever down in Philly, you know, I'm going <laughs> to. Oh, no problem. As a matter of fact, and, and I've got, well, not the one that belonged to Ringo, but I've got the Ringo kit, that, that kit right there that oh. little yeah, <laughs> the per, yeah the so, little... With, with the logo on it of course wow so anyway that's like that sounds like a dream <laughs> he he who has the most toys when he dies wins <laughs> <laughs> that's the way we're, and and yeah. and uh, you can't you can't see it here but there i have a serious amount of toys <laughs> toys i that's had awesome. um i don't know if you know um the name bill graham uh, Bill Graham was essentially the guy that invented the mod, the concert business. He okay. had the, the Fillmore Auditorium and uh, yep. on, okay. on the West Coast, and he was the producer of Live Aid and on and on and oh, on. Okay. Yeah. Died tragically in a helicopter accident. But I had, um, there was a giant exhibit uh, here in Philadelphia. It went around the country, too, with all of his artifacts and posters and guitars, whatever. This is a guy who was revered in mm. in the classic rock business in the music business i had his two sons here with me in the studio for a podcast that i did a few years ago okay. and you gotta you're gonna understand that these guys when they were kids and growing up were best friends with carlos santana and and and, and jerry garcia and and, <laughs> and the allman brothers and and the birds and on and on and on yeah. and they said to me sitting just in this room let alone what's on the other side of the wall. <laughs> they both said, coolest basement I've ever been in. And I'm like, wait a minute. You've been in more than a few cool. My basement? My downstairs is the coolest. <laughs> so I guess, you know, they just had a good sensibility for crap. Like, <laughs> like I do, you know. So. It's always it's always fun to be uh like collecting stuff. I know that in uh I, I hope once I'm like, you know, in my career and like moving, like, you know, like doing the normal life stuff right. that I can, I can get some of the cool, the cool toys, like you said. <laughs> to... Well, I have, I have two cool toys, the coolest toys or the most, <laughs> the coolest and the most valuable one yeah. being that Ludwig Beatles kit, yeah. which, which some crazy person um about 10 15 years ago put on ebay when ebay oh was in his infancy and he was selling it for roughly a tenth of what its real value is this kid is like the holy grail yeah to most people so i was able to snap that up for next to nothing so i got lucky wow. but the other the other thing that i own and i'm i'm looking at them both i'm looking at them now um <laughs> we were talking about paul winchell um okay. um his sidekick his figure was named Jerry Mahoney. Okay. He, so um, back in 2004, I think it was the spring of 04, I got a call from one of the book publishers because the book publishers would always call me. I was doing a, uh, for years, a uh, 
nationally syndicated movie talk and entertainment talk radio show with callers, you know, calling in and this, this well of useless knowledge that's inside my head Mm -hmm. uh, would help fuel some, a lot of fun conversations. So with that in mind and knowing that it was entertainment oriented, the book publishers, along with the movie studios and TV and whatever, Mm -hmm. they would proactively call me and say, Hey, Perry Ramsey, Perry has a new book, you know, the director, the, the director, <laughs> whatever, would you like him on your show? And I go, absolutely. I'd love to interview Perry. And so I got a call one day from Simon and Schuster and they said, um, listen, we're trying to get some publicity for this book. That's not going to be a big seller. It's a small book, but we have to do our, this is like a tw- early twenties, young girl. Okay. Um, 15, 20 years ago. And she said, um, it's, it's, it's a bio, it's an autobiography by a, a guy that had a kid's show on TV in, in, in like the fifties. And I said, who would that be? And she, you could hear her go, you know, leafing page. She goes, oh, here, here, here's his name, Paul Winchell. <laughs> so, um, after I cleaned up the skull fragments <laughs> uh, off the wall in hearing that, I, yeah. I, a chill came over me. I went, I'm begging you, I'm begging <laughs> you, arrange this for me. Yeah. Ten, ten minutes later, Paul Winchell called me on, on the phone wow. to say thank you and blah, blah, blah. And we had this, we didn't have the official interview, but uh, right. uh, at that time, I knew that there was a guy in Arizona who mm-hmm. was manufacturing one-offs of Jerry okay. Mahoney and Paul Winchell was his partner. So these weren't toys. This was serious stuff. Yeah. I had gone on his website and I looked at it and I went, Oh my God, if they're dead, accurate replicas of Jerry Mahoney, I got to have one, <laughs> but they were costly mm-hmm. and I just never got one. So after the Winchell interview on the radio, he invited me to his home. He said, I want you to come. I want you, if you're ever in California, you'll meet the boys. <laughs> so that was Jerry Mahoney and his friend, Knucklehead Smith. Um, and I found myself in California that November, um, went to his house, went to lunch with him, stroking out the entire time. Yeah. And he actually leaned over to me at one point and went, did, did you, by any chance, do you have one of the uh, replicas? a little embarrassing and i said actually um paul not just yet but (laughs) in my future well he passed away about seven months afterwards Mm. right after that i was just noodling around on ebay and one of these replicas is up there and i figured maybe i'll be just as lucky as i was with the drums we'll see the guy had no reserve price and i ended up getting this thing at a very inexpensive for less money than buying a brand new one from the guy in arizona yeah the 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 jerry mahoney got here i took it out it was in museum condition wow the next day i called the guy in arizona to say to him your work is phenomenal just (laughs) phenomenal and i knew by the way that these replicas were done off the mold of the original Jerry Mahoney's head. Wow. That, mu- that much I knew. Yeah. Anyway, uh, as I was about to hang up with him, uh, the, the manufacturer said, I said to him, oh, and by the way, the two-tone color of the suit, instead of like on, on your website, the two blues, this is like the original, the green gray. And he said, what do you mean green gray? said it's green and gray i don't don't want to understand the question he goes it's green gray and i'm going yeah he goes is is it near you right now yeah he says can you get the head bring it to the phone so very gingerly i brought it over and he said i want you to look underneath the head stick see if there's anything there i looked under i would have never looked anyway yeah i went wow uh yes he goes is it a number yes okay you may as well tell me the number i said 13. so he said oh wow right in the middle middle of what he goes pull the mouth down and tell me (laughs) if if the mouth 
surface is covered in like a magenta piece of felt. Yes. Now I want you to look under the hair in the back. I would have never looked there. Tell me if you see anything. And I said, yeah, it's Paul Winchell's name embossed. And he mm -hmm. goes, in like an Art Deco font? I went, yeah. And he goes, and it's signed by Winchell? I said, yes. I said, okay. Put it back on the chair. He said, do you have homeowner's insurance? <laughs> uh, I said, yeah. He goes, you need to buy more. Because this turned out to be the only one, the only one that was constructed by the, the disciple of the guy that made the original Jerry Mahoney. And that's why they put it in green gray, why they numbered it in the 25 originals they made, but number yeah. 13 was unique. And this guy happened to have, whoever sold it to me managed to get Winchell's signature on it. And wow. in a, in a proper market, uh, it's worth the better part of a hundred grand. Wow. <laughs> so that's the best thing in my toy collection for sure for sure <laughs> that is really cool yeah yeah, yeah. and it's funny how you just stumbling into it you know you like you just sort of like oh this is cool like i finally get a chance to get the replica <laughs> i was just thrilled to be able to have the replica right <laughs> and then when this guy told me the story and 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 i called the guy in maryland by the way i had his number just and i didn't want to give away the fact that he was monumentally stupid for yeah. selling to me but i confirmed by dancing around how he got it where he got it and where he had it signed by paul winchell and it all added up wow so, yeah <laughs> <laughs> very That's cool awesome. it was yeah. very cool very cool but so, uh just, no yeah then that that it's it's funny how some of those things happen like they just like you're looking for something you're kind of looking you know you're like oh if i get the chance to get something like that that would be great and then you're yeah. like then you yeah. get the best case scenario of it <laughs> just a, i guess a meant to be moment i suppose yeah that, that's that's how i look at it <laughs> um so i'm actually looking at your uh like your about page on your website mm -hmm. which is voices by joel.com by the way everybody go check it out um so, <laughs> um it says you were a uh you served as the official MC for the Academy Awards Oscar Night in America event in Philadelphia. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to build that up into something more than it is. I was not <laughs> the host of the Oscars. Right. But because of right. my movie knowledge and my ability to yak in front of a mic, um, <laughs> I was attached to uh, the Academy's philadelphia version of the right. oscars for about 15 years i'm a member of the critics choice association oh, that's pretty cool uh, yeah. which is really kind of cool through that yeah. through 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 this initiative that my wife and i ran for about a dozen years regarding the arts in philadelphia yeah. and through uh, and through all my you know movie radio you know all that sort of stuff and being in the critics choice association I've I've had the opportunity to meet, interview, and work with just some outrageous, outrageous <laughs> people. Very, very, very cool stuff. Very now, do cool. you have do you have like a year that you remember specifically for being like you walk away from it for either good or bad reasons in terms of how it went or well, I, I won't mention their names. I will okay. tell you that I've worked with hundreds of like a-list kind of people from movies yeah. television music whatever um there are there are two meetings that are the pinnacle of any anybody i ever met and two meetings that are the absolute low point i will just tell you that the low point you know it's like when you when you meet your idols or you meet um the people that you admire or have inspired mm -hmm. you over the course of your life for one reason or another um you know a lot of people get nuts and crazy and scare them away <laughs> you got to figure out a, a demeanor so that you can engage with them and they won't mm -hmm. run away because you you want to be with them um yeah. the the two people that were just horrid individuals one was actually a baseball player he hugely 
famous baseball player. <laughs> Let, uh, I'll just say that uh, he's had a lot of trouble over the years getting into the Hall of Fame. We'll just leave mm. it at that, okay? And the other one <laughs> was a monumentally successful and talented composer of of hit songs of movie scores of things like that i mean just gigantic both of those people were horrible everybody else <laughs> has been fantastic <laughs> um of course meeting with paul winchell was you know you meet the guy who is right virtually the seed of your existence uh, <laughs> that was pretty big um meeting mr lennon in 1972 and wow. having a short conversation with him uh that was the first i think stroke out that i had <laughs> that was so out of body that it wasn't until about an hour or so later when yeah. i was on a train on the way back home that it hit me who i was just with i was in <laughs> some dream state some altered consciousness yeah. Or whatever but that's a, that's another long story I, you know i won't i'll go into that but more recently a year ago this week yeah uh, i was in la for the critics choice awards that was mm -hmm. televised and um this was the this a year ago was the irishman year yeah so i, I always was seated because i did some marketing work for for the awards they always okay. seated right in the middle of everybody you know all the other critics and everybody were you know table five seven three <laughs> and i was at 22 Ain't and i'm i'm just drowning in movie stars tv yeah, stars, yeah. Some music whatever <laughs> but right in front of me about 30 feet away at table number one is harvey keitel al pacino and robert de niro and they had just come yeah. back they had just come back from accepting on stage the award mm -hmm. for best ensemble in a right, movie, yeah. whatever, for, for the Irishman. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, there's certain rules you have to respect. Uh, a, because you have to be polite. B, mm -hmm. because there could be a bodyguard who will kick your ass <laughs> straight out the door. But I'm like Michael Corleone and, <laughs> and, and the young Vito Corleone and the wolf and all the, they're 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 just <laughs> they're right there, there. Yeah. i can't not take a chance so this is a live presentation and as soon as they we heard over the pa um we'll be back you know right after mm -hmm. the words i went right to the front of the table i didn't go against it i stood yeah. there and the three of them looked up for a moment and i said uh, i knew that i had the pattern all rehearsed yeah now, the fact that I was one of the voting critics, that would likely, you know, count for something, I thought. So mm -hmm. it was like, what do I say? I just want to say hello to them. I don't want to get my yeah. ass kicked. And I stood in front of them and they all looked up and I said, excuse me, gentlemen, forgive me for interrupting. My name is Joel. I'm from Philadelphia. I'm one of the voting critics. And as soon as I said that, Pacino jumps out of his chair picks up the award and he goes, oh, we got to show this guy some love. <laughs> and I, I, I was like, I got to get in front, in, inside. <laughs> I, I was trembling a little bit. And the woman sitting next to Harvey Keitel is like holding up, you know, her phone and going. <laughs> and I'm like, is she suggesting that well, we're going to take a picture? <laughs> So uh, it's still the commercial break, and I rolled around to Harvey Keitel, and yeah. Keitel says, uh, "Hey, how are you doing? How, how should we do this? Do you do you want to sit on my knee?" <laughs> and uh, it, I blurted out, "Well, actually, Mr. Keitel, I'm a ventriloquist, so it would probably be more appropriate for you to sit on my knee." And I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, okay." And you know, he starts. I went, "No, no, 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 no. It's a, just stay where you are. <laughs> Arm around the woman. Takes my phone." one yeah. picture to which pacino then taps me on the shoulder you got to understand I, i've got michael corleone <laughs> next to me 
Carlito, Tony Montana, (laughs) on and on and on. I'm I'm freaking out inside, (laughs) freaking in and 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 thinking to myself, and he goes, "All right, time to show you some love." And I'm like, "Okay," and he puts his arm arms around my waist and gives me this big uh, bear hug, squeezing (laughs) me like this, and I'm like, "This can't be happening." This is this can't be yeah. happening. And then he gives me a kiss on the cheek. And the next thing you know, I I I don't know how this is gonna come up, but next thing you know, this happens. Oh, look at that. Yeah. There you go. I'll, I'll I'll duck down a little bit, you know. There you yeah, go. There it there is. There we go. There, there's Al. And then all of a sudden I hear from behind me, I hear, what am I? Chopped liver? <laughs> and I'm like, the man who says nothing who does not speak, who does yeah. not do interviews, is engaging proactively in a conversation. Hi, yeah. My, yeah. My, my name's Bob. I'm like, really? <laughs> okay, sure. Hi, Bob. I'm Joe. Where are you from? Yeah. So in my, in my three, four minutes, I managed to hit that. There was another time, of course, Godfather-wise, where about six years ago, and this is too long a story, but I managed to get... I managed to get in a golf cart with James Caan. Yeah. And we hung out for about 45 minutes. And uh, that's awesome. So it's the young Vito, Michael Corleone and Sonny. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't bring Brando back from the dead. That, that, that wasn't going to work out. So. <laughs> so those were some pretty exciting moments amongst yeah. all the other, you know, people that I've spent some time with. Yeah, that's awesome. So you did that for 15 years. And uh, yeah, the arts thing was for 15 years, but all the people that I've met have been over the course of my whole life working with them professionally or interviewing them. Yeah. Now, what was the what was the circumstance that you got to talk to John Lennon? Uh, In 1972, late January 72, you again, I'm showing my age, (laughs) but there was there was an afternoon. There were a few afternoon talk shows that were like the tonight show okay merv, merv griffin had one somebody else had one well the the king of them all was a guy named mike douglas mm-hmm. and mike douglas was famous one of his big shticks was that he would have a guest host monday through friday every day for every day you know they'd mix up other stars that would come on but this right. host would stay on monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday so the big news in in, in the late 71 was that John Lennon was going to co-host the Mike Douglas show. Well, it was like, well, there's no freaking way. I'm not going to con my way into this. (laughs) But I was all of like 19 years old too. So what I did, I found out that he was going to invite kind of a private audience to this press conference on the last day of taping before he took off back to New York or wherever Mm -hmm. he was going. And he would not... He did not want the conventional press there. The conventional press was essentially my parents' generation. Right. And he knew what to expect. One of the Beatles getting back together. Why are you fighting right. with Paul? But he, but all, all, all this stuff. Yeah. He, he wanted to invite people that he thought would um, embrace the music and his political beliefs and mm-hmm. what have you. So I sent a letter and made a call because I was doing a shift at the community college radio station. Interestingly enough, I was doing it with the curtains drawn on the windows as a mysterious <laughs> British jock. <laughs> so I was Jamie Thorson here on community college's radio station. We're going to listen to a little something from cream right now. This is sunshine and love <laughs> that sort of thing. So I wrote a letter to say, well, I'm at a, radio, a college radio station then within two days. I got a phone call and they said, you're in. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So I, um, I walked into this hotel's meeting room. It was one of the kind of conference rooms and, you know, they had the table set up and, but I, I, I was just this kid. So mm-hmm. I just felt I should be in the back and not try to get a seat up front with the other, um, 
you know, the other writers and journalists mm. and, and what have you. And, but I had a cord that what from my microphone that led all the way back it was like a 50 foot cord <laughs> and I'm recording this whole thing. I even, I even, uh, asked a question. So my, you know, I still have the tape. I still have the audio. Yeah, yeah. And, um, when it was all done, I saw that individually one by one, he was greeting or saying goodbye to everybody, to a person. So it's like, okay, time this out, roll that cord, slow, faster, move up and <laughs> slow it down. Because I was going to negotiate my way to be the last guy in the room. Yeah. And I did it. <laughs> and, and I stood, I stood in a line in, in this room. Uh, and as he was speaking, and to the last, next to last person with, as you can see, Yoko, yep. beside him, I took my Polaroid camera, shot a shot this picture of him at, at the press table, wow. and then he turned to me and we talked for five, six, seven minutes. I'd have no recollection <laughs> what we talked about. Here's what I do recall, that I was at the height of my stupidity. I did not hand the camera to another person to and take got the picture. <laughs> a picture with him. Do you know what yeah. they call, you know what they call that moron? <laughs> so I managed to have the, Hey, listen, I had the moment. I had the yeah. experience. I have the audio. I took this picture, but was just too stupid to, to think <laughs> to take a picture with them. For all I know, I may have been, afraid to ask i, I don't yeah recall. that could I yeah because i would that's what i was going to say because if i was in that position i would have been like no nah, yeah. that might be too far you know that might be too much <laughs> i i was i was totally in in another in another I, I, yeah i can't even imagine i mean i i obviously can't get close to like two of them at this point but um the the first time i saw paul mccartney live i was at fenway and mm -hmm. I was all the way in the nosebleeds, like all the way back, last row. It was me and my parents. And it's like look, looking at six raisins on a pillow. Yeah. Right. But as soon as, in a, and this was only a, maybe a year or two after I really started getting into him. And uh, that moment when he came out on stage, like I almost like cried because I was yeah. so happy. Like yeah. it was just like, wow, like that's him. Like he's yeah. right there. So yeah. I can't even imagine if I was like, <laughs> you know, like. Well, not 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 to top you that's yeah. not what i'm trying to do but it's, it's it but but in in a reversal of your situation yeah uh the first time i ever saw him live mm -hmm. was in december of 89 at madison square garden a radio a radio station there fixed me up with tickets but i had never been in the garden before mm -hmm. so the tickets i was in this row this seat i, I didn't really know yeah. where it was and every time i kept walking every checkpoint person kept waving me through yeah. and then another one wave next thing you know center aisle end seat 15th row wow so i can all i can almost reach out and <laughs> and, and touch him so i'm going out of my mind <laughs> yeah and um this was I, I was wondering i knew in philadelphia i had been in enough enough concerts that people always would stand on their chairs and now it's like i can't see <laughs> unless i'm in the first 10 rows i right. if i'm in the 50th row i can't see yeah. so i asked one of the kind of the guards the ushers i said do they let you stand on the chairs here and they went absolutely not and i'm like Yes, that's good. I've got the seat. I'm so happy. And we struck up a little conversation and it was just friendly. Where are you from? I feel like blah, blah, blah. And every so often during the first hour, maybe of the concert, he'd come by and give me one of those. Right. Oh, a good <laughs> join. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. About five minutes after that, I see him roll down and there's a security guard on the floor you know, under where McCartney's feet are. Right. Dead center. And he's just looking at the audience and standing here. It's big football player guy. Yeah. <laughs> huge. Like, don't mess them. Don't go near or you're dead. Right. <laughs> and I see this usher go up to the guard and he's like, and I'm like, what's he doing? And the usher comes to me and he goes, would you want to 
stand against the wall? <laughs> no, of course not. I'd say, are you out of your mind? And he goes, <laughs> I ended up being the only person in Madison Square Garden who was permitted to press up against the security wall. And I was at his knees. <laughs> I was right under his knees and every once in a while he's playing and he'd look down and go, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, right. Just, just kill me now. Just, just kill me. I, mean, yeah. I, I can die now. So I have, I can't say that I've met him. Right. I, that was still pretty cool. Yeah. That's, and it's, cool. that that's like a really cool and it's really good when, uh, like, you know, the real like artists that really love what they're doing when they do stuff like that, you know, yeah. like, and it's so special, especially when you're such a big fan and you like, um, cause I know like, uh, like I'm a big Dave Matthews fan and yeah. he does a lot of that similar stuff. Right. Like he'll see a kid right in the front row and he'll pick them up and bring them on stage for a picture with the whole crowd in the yeah. back and all that yeah. stuff. And well, those is, things make it so special. Well, I have a few, you know, this is still less than 10 years after John was murdered. Mm. Right. And, and I, I figured you're not going to see McCartney dancing in, into the crowd. That's not <laughs> right. going to happen. But I'm at his feet and he's going like this. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God. So so, anyway. Yeah. I, I've been very, very fortunate to meet and or be close to yeah. an awful lot of people that have been very inspirational to me. I've been the lucky guy. Yeah. And that's, and, it, and it seems like you you do a good job like putting yourself in those positions too like I feel like a lot of it is um you seeing an opportunity like what it sounds like is like you seeing an opportunity and you saying I want to like there's no reason why I shouldn't be there you know well yeah and I, I, I didn't so much look at it that way as just like I, I, this moment may this opportunity may never yeah. happen again in a lifetime there's Pacino and De Niro yeah. How can I, how can I not give it a shot? The yeah. worst that can happen, as I said, is I get my ass kicked and they throw me away and all they're, they're I'm, I'm getting hugged and kissed right. and, and squeezed and you know, so it's like, okay, this worked out pretty well. Yeah. 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 Well, and, I, and I I'm think happy. a lot of it, yeah. A lot of it comes out from like, I, I think, especially actors who talk to people like random people every single day, you know, people come up to them. I think it's easy for them to tell when somebody it's just genuinely like, like saying like congratulations or like going up and talking to them, you know? Well, that's been, um, I, I don't know if it's been the key, but I know it's, it's always worked out that when I've, I've interviewed a lot of these people mm -hmm. and first of all, you, ha you have to be well-researched. Mm -hmm. You have to have a sense about what they might like to talk about because you, you, you can't go up to Richard Gere and and your first question can't be so like what was it like working with julia roberts like <laughs> oh th that it's over right yeah, then yeah. and there you have you have to find some kind of connection that makes them go that's an that that was interesting uh, that right. you would know about that or whatever so it's it's not about being manipulative it's about right. you, you know i can handle an interview but it's not about me it's about mm -hmm. It's about them. So if you can figure out the questions and be a really good listener and draw this out of them, then they'll, they'll stay forever. Yeah. They'll just stay forever if they're having a good time. Yeah. And I think that's a good lesson to be learned for like anything is always be like, be aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And oh, like, like the Boy Scouts always say, always be prepared. Be prepared. <laughs> that's for sure. On my honor. Do my duty. <laughs> Well, uh, before, before I let you go, I'm going to mention your uh, website again, voicesbyjoel.com. Go ahead, check it out, especially if you if you want to hear some great impressions, some great dialects. Like I, I, You've got a few of them uh, that you can listen to and stuff. Right. I mean, you know, all, all of these voices and all this nonsense that I do <laughs> can be applied to, you know, commercials and yep. webisodes and digital and corporate narration and on hold and just there's wherever you think. I sort of fit into the picture with your business or personal or whatever. Um, this is what I do. This yeah. Is what I do. Well, so I want to thank you again so much for coming on and talking to me. I had a blast. And <laughs> I had a blast too, Ferry. Really, it was nice to see that we had a lot in common. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> could trade it back and forth. I had a lot of fun. I really Perfect. did. Thank you so much.
My pleasure, Perry. You take care. Stay safe and healthy, all of you, the whole audience. Yeah. Be good. Be good. Thank you.